Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is a publicity pioneer, food consultant, author, speaker, and also known as the PR Food King. He's Leo Perlstein. He's founder and president of Lee & Associates, Incorporated, a public relations and advertising firm. And we're going to be talking about food, lessons learned in business and life, and his unique perspective from the relatively mature age of 100. Leo, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate your calling. Tell us about your background first so people get a sense. I know that you have been involved in the food side of things for a long time, and you were very active getting celebrities involved and talk show hosts involved in various food items. But what brought you to public relations? How did it all start? Well, actually, at college, I majored in marketing, of which public relations is one part of marketing. And uh, when I got out of the Army, World War II, for about two or three years, I had little jobs. And then one of my friends had an advertising agency that was subsidized by an actor, Eddie Bracken. And he said, how about coming in and helping us? Because all we've been doing is doing celebrities. And he says, you know other things, and maybe you can build up some accounts. And he said, we really need some PR, and you've been around, how about it? So it was sort of a speculative thing where I joined them. This was about 1948, and uh, I started working for them. So that's how I started getting into the PR side instead of the drawing or script writing or, uh, you know, things, creative directors and so on. Right. A lot of people may not know, but Eddie Bracken was a very well-known actor. He was. He was a terrific person, a very fine person. Uh, He had a lot of uh, actor friends. And at the time that I worked for him was a transition time because the TV was just getting started and a lot of actors were worried about the effect that TV would have on the movie business. And so I met a bunch of the celebrities that were friends of his. And Eddie was very smart, and he was an entrepreneur. And he decided to look into the TV part of it because he felt that was the next stage of the entertainment business. So that's how it all started. Well, he was obviously had some foresight because so many people challenged television in the early stages, the movie industry felt very threatened, and then television came along. And of course, subsequently, television fought cable television when that first came along. So it's always a fight going on between the old industry and the new industry. Oh, that's for sure. And look at now what's happening with the technology now. (laughs) It's TV versus all of the electronics and social media. Streaming services and everything else. You know, so it's a very interesting progress anyway. When you decided that this was what you wanted to do, you formed Lee and Associates. You brought in some of the family as well. What did you find when you began that process? Were you able to develop clients at a very early start at that point, or did you have to work very hard to get various clients? Well, actually, I had sort of worked my way through college partially in my dad's grocery store. And I learned an awful lot about food and food marketing from the salesmen that used to call on the store. In those days, they made so many calls a day, and uh, and they were nice people. And I took all of their brochures and all their literature, 
And I sort of got a kick out of it, and that sort of developed into my mind. And when I started, uh, I was very lucky because the first accounts I had were generic. They didn't have brand names. I had the Pacific Dairy and Poultry Association, and I was supposed to promote eggs and turkey and chicken and cheese and no brand. So that was much easier to promote than a brand name. And I used my food background to help me. So I had little accounts, little accounts. And I actually worked for the Eddie Bracken and the agency was called Jenkins and Large. But then Doug Jenkins was in the reserve. And uh, when the Korean War started, he was an officer and had to go to the war. And uh, the other partner didn't want to continue. And Eddie Bracken was sort of busy. So I ended up uh, having to open up my own agency. And my wife helped me. And we opened up the agency. And I continued with my small accounts. But luckily, I was recommended by my accounts. And I worked very hard. But I enjoyed every minute of it. I really enjoyed it. It was almost like a hobby. And even though we had our ups and downs, I enjoyed it tremendously, and that's how I developed my business. Isn't and then my two sons, I have three, the oldest one became a musician, a professional musician, and the other two, when they got out of college, they both majored in journalism and public relations, and they joined me immediately. They, they loved it, so that's how it developed. And my wife helped me after she also stayed at home and helped me at home after I got started. And then another thing that happened, I noticed early in my life that we were really doing educational publicity. I don't know if there is such a word, but I coined it because we were telling people about our products, chicken, turkey, eggs, chives, asparagus, uh, potatoes, artichokes. We were telling them when it's available, how nutritious it is, how easy it is to make, and how to make it. So I formed a division, strictly just by name, Western Research Kitchens. And Western Research Kitchens made it sound more academic and, and more authentic. And I think, I'm not sure, but at that time, I hired a graduate home economist, a young lady, and she was a, a home economist, and I needed her help on recipes and nutrition, I think I was the first one in the country to hire a home economist to work in the agency. And I just said she was director of Western Research Kitchens. And then we developed contacts uh, in the publicity field with practically all the major food editors in the country, especially the food editors in the West, but nationally. And when I sent releases to them, I assured them that they were being tested and approved and discussed with the home economist. So they had more confidence in me because after a while, they saw that the stuff that we sent them was very academic, very practical, and they had more confidence in what we sent. So I developed a tremendous outlet of media outlets and people like that had to do with Practically every television station had a food show in those days. So I got on the television food, and that's how it all developed. 
And we'll mention your son's names because I think they would be happy if we did. It's Howard and Frank. They joined the Lee and exactly. Associates. Exactly. Howard and Frank right. and then David. Even though David was a musician and he wrote music, he helped us many times. He's extremely creative. All of my three sons are very creative. And David helped us as we went along with copy. He was very interested in our business and called all the time. And he helped us with copy and with musical things when we did a little bit of advertising. So he was pretty close and knew practically everything we were doing, too. I think the thing you said earlier makes the point, which is, and that's why I like to talk to people that have passion. You had fun with it. You didn't think of it as a chore. You worked hard, but it was still fun. And so you had that passion for the industry. It really was. and In fact, uh, I don't know who it was. One of my sons said, and that I had a hobby, and my business was my hobby because I didn't have any other hobbies. <laughs> and uh, we lived pretty close to the office, and actually, I was the first one in and the last one out. I just loved it. We didn't look at the clock. But I learned very early in my life, which was a great asset throughout my business life, and that is if you can talk to somebody that's working with you you can exchange ideas, even the secretaries, even the non-professional people. So in our office, it was small in the beginning. We talked. We talked every morning. What happened there yesterday? What are we going to do today? And there was no hierarchy or anything. We, we recognized everybody's ideas. And my two sons and my secretary and the bookkeeper, even the bookkeeper, would come up with copy ideas or ideas to do. And it was wonderful because it was not a one-person deal. We were always involved, and that made a big difference. In fact, every morning, of course, we were busy sometimes, got started right away. But usually, especially after the weekends, every Monday morning, we were anxious to get to work, and we had our own coffee machine, and, and we also had a refrigerator, so we had orange juice. We would sit down and we would say, what happened over the weekend? What did you listen to? What was on the radio? What was on TV? What did you see? Because we also learned very early in our life that we had to be involved. It was not just the name of a client. We had to be involved in the industry. In this case, we were involved in the food industry mainly. Everything we could learn about the marketing of food and then, as we expanded, we learned about other industries. Uh, general uh, uh, notion on uh, operations of operations of uh, all sorts of advertising. But a good portion of our business was food. And then it became medical or health. One Food and health sort of almost ran together. And incidentally, then, as we grew... We didn't hire them, but we had professional uh, people work for us. So I had a dietitian that was a consulting dietitian, and she started helping us. Again, I think we were ahead of the rest of the country as far as promotion because the dietitian would discuss with us things to know about our products. And then as it developed, it was interesting. The chefs became more popular. You remember when the Food Network started and the chefs became popular? Right. Well, we had several chef friends and they became consultants. 
They loved it. They wanted to do it for nothing. But in many cases, I paid them for their advice. So we really had, oh, even then, as we developed, we even had a food technologist from Davis University in uh, Northern California, a woman that was a technical food technologist, and she taught us about flavors that they put together. In fact, through her, she had invited me to go to the annual convention of food technologists. That was a most interesting convention where they had these scientists uh, talking about putting foods together and flavors. The whole thing had to do with flavors and food and ingredients and compatible ingredients. And also the government started having rules about uh, labeling. And we were ahead on that too because we learned we were what we called a clean label. Labels uh, that had very little additives that were injurious and mostly good positive labels that food manufacturers in their desire to have good products would have their technologists and dietitians and chefs and home economists come up with food combinations that had good additives to it, spices and herbs and ingredients like that. So all of those things developed as we grew and we took advantage of every one of them so that we were always ahead of the game, really. We really were. And because of that, we grew. We didn't become large. Again, it was a personal deal. I had several offers to merge. Most of them were with the big New York agencies. They even came out to see me, big ones. But then I, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to be close to home because uh, we're sort of a close family. I didn't want to travel to New York. And they had different ideas, and I felt that I had my own system, so I turned them down. And as a result, I would say I had what would be known as a medium-sized agency. It wasn't large, but it, it was more than a mama-papa. A little bit more about Leo also. He was on the team that invented the pop-up turkey timer, and he handled promotions for the California Turkey Advisory Board for more than 25 years. Now, get this. His longest client representation was for Mrs. Cubison's Foods. He handled the company's marketing for 60, 60 years. That's amazing, Leo. That's amazing. I think I could have gone to Guinness Book of Records. I think so. And, what happened was uh, I started with the little tiny Pacific Dairy and Poultry, which was a voluntary, and then they all chipped in and became a marketing order in California where they had more money. And when I started, I was looking for partners and people that I could network with. And one day, I was reading the paper, and I saw a little tiny, believe it or not, a two-inch ad, uh, a reverse ad. And it said, turkeys take be taste better with Mrs. Cubison's stuffing. And then it's another page that said, chicken tastes better with Mrs. Cubison's. Well... I didn't know about Mrs. Cubison's stuffing or recipe. I looked it up, and uh, I found out that she had this Mrs. Cubison's dressing, and there was always the problem whether it could be stuffing or dressing, which was both the same. And I met her, and she was one of the most wonderful people I'd ever met. And I went down to her little bakery factory and told her that I had that turkey account, and uh, could I work together with her? And she was thrilled, 
And I said, I can help you, and you can help me. So she said that she had an advertising agency, but she spent so little money, so little money with him, that he was sort of just holding on. And so she introduced me to him, and he said, listen, you can have the account. I don't make any money on this. <laughs> <laughs> he turned out to be a very good friend of mine. And uh, so she hired me officially, and she really had a very tiny budget. So I said to her, well, I don't think you can do too much with advertising, but if you do PR, I can get you on some TV shows, on some radio shows, and you can make up your recipes and talk about yourself. And I said, and the turkey people wouldn't mind because you would be helping the turkey industry. And that's how it started. And it was wonderful. And she she was one of the tremendous, tremendous people I ever had. And as she got older, um, later on, a few years later, she sold. And believe it or not, the guy that bought her, she said, I won't sell unless you take my two brothers and my advertising agent. <laughs> I, I met him. And he was from Texas. He was a rich guy. I met him. And he said, I've never heard about this, but who the hell are you? <laughs> so I told him. And he says, okay, you're hired. And then he hired Jimmy and Paul, which are her two brothers. And then she retired, and she called practically oh, every month, and she always wanted to travel, so she traveled, and she sent us postcards from all over over the world. But she always came back at Thanksgiving time, and she actually walked the markets to see if they had the product. And she called us to see what we were doing, and we compared notes for many, many, many years after she retired. And she'd call us and ask us about it and discuss it. So it was a wonderful wonderful relationship really was something else about leo that people may not know he wrote four books celebrity stew recipes of the stars mrs cubison's best stuffing cookbook and adventures in pr right right thank you yeah and that, that's that, uh, the, the fact that you're able to write those books in the middle of running an agency too that's, that's quite a, an achievement as you say it's a medium-sized agency and hands-on so to speak so you're always working so, well, yeah. I want to tell you what happened. Since we were dealing with agriculture, certain years were bad years because of the weather. And if the weather was bad and the money that they allotted for advertising or PR was bad, or even the turkey industry, if they had a bad year or weren't interesting, things got very quiet in our agency. And we were working so hard that we really weren't looking for new business like we should have been doing. And so when things were dull, like most agencies, they would let their people go. But I didn't have the guts or the want to fire anybody. I kept on my home economist, and I kept on secretary and bookkeeper. And when things were quiet, I didn't write. I dictated my book, just like I'm talking to you now. Right. I talked. And my secretary in front, she was a terrific typist, and she typed whatever I said. This is before the computer started having garage band and things like that. And she kept typing it. And um, I talked to her just like I'm talking to you. And off the top of my head, I talked about the clients and the things and the recipes. And then uh, my son Howard, who's a wordsmith, 
he edited, edited very much and brought it back into good English. And then we hired a friend of ours who was a newspaper columnist, and she was re- retired from the L.A. Times. And so she and Howard worked together and sort of edited my first book, uh, The Celebrity Stew. In fact, Howard came up with the name Celebrity Stew. So <laughs> I was an author, but I wasn't the traditional author. I was a talking author. That's okay. Of course, I had many uh, grammatical errors uh, that they straightened out for me. Well, sure. You know. And, yeah, uh, but at least you produced it, and even whether it's through dictation or penmanship or typing on a typewriter in those days, you got the books done. That's the important thing. You had you know, the passion. I was, so. I was quite a thrill, and uh, I, I was. Uh, I believe it or not, unfortunately, I didn't do much marketing. My wife was ill in those years, and uh, I spent an awful lot of time at home. I didn't want to go to the big stations, which incidentally, I did go to Las Vegas, and I got a lot of publicity in Las Vegas. That's when I met you years ago. And there was a station, I forgot the call call numbers, Um, Andy Kay was the DJ's name, and he loved my stuff, so he would interview me. And, uh, gosh, I just can't remember the call, call letters, but, so I, I did get local publicity, but uh, I'll be honest, I didn't sell many books. I sold a small amount. Right. Some of them are still available though, Leo, on Amazon. I, uh, every once in a while I get a phone call and some, I ran out of books. In fact, I had to buy, (laughs) I had to buy a couple of my books back. From Amazon, so I could give them to a couple of people that wanted it. <laughs> yeah, you can you can find them on Amazon, so that that's great. Right. A, a question that I've never asked you, and I I don't know why I've never asked this before, but it's Lee and Associates, but your name is Leo. So where did the Lee come from? <laughs> that was my wife's idea, and it was really funny because we were sitting at home, uh, my wife and I, just by ourselves, and I says, "Well, you know." Eddie Bracken uh, owed me some commission money, and uh, he had run into financial problems at that time. So he gave me free rent for the rest of the year, and he uh, he gave me a bunch of furniture and desks and everything. So Eddie Bracken practically put me in the business, but because of the seventy seventeen hundred bucks that he owed me, so I had an office, and I had uh, my wife was my part time secretary. And we kept saying, what do we call it? I said, well, I'll be honest with you, Pearlstein doesn't sound like a Pearlstein agency. The word didn't appeal to me. And then she says, well, why don't we call it Lee? Your your, uh, friends call you Lee sometimes. And why don't we call it Lee and Associates? It'll sound bigger. And uh, it'll be Lee and Associates. And you'll you'll have a part-time artist and a part-time creative guy, which we did. So we named it, actually, officially, you know, we went to one of the newspaper business things, doing business as Leo and Helen Perlstein, doing business as Lee and Associates, uh, and uh, we printed that so officially. And then my accountant, I had an accountant that was my dad's bookkeeper, uh, my dad's accountant, and he said we should incorporate so I incorporated in 1952. Now, about a month after I and I moved to Beverly Hills, uh, Beverly Boulevard, just by La Cienega, 
across the street from Big Rexdoll Drugs Company, and I got a check in the mail from Minute Maid for five thousand bucks, made out to Lee and Associates. I said I didn't do anything for Minute Maid. I know that was Bing Crosby's company and everything. I called them up and I said, "Hey guys, listen, it's very nice of you to send me a check for five thousand bucks." They said, "Well, aren't you Burns Lee?" <laughs> I said, well, my God, who's that? They said, well, that's our advertising agency. He's on Beverly Boulevard. <laughs> turned out that Burns Lee, who turned out a terrific guy, was a very popular and prominent and very talented advertising man, and his offices were exactly across the street. So <laughs> I went across the street, introduced myself, and I said, I'm, I didn't mean to take your name, but it's Lee and Associates. He says, it's okay with me. <laughs> we became friends, and that's how the Lee and Associates thing developed. So that's a, another crazy story. And I had so many crazy things happen to me in my lifetime. Uh, I don't know what you call it, synergism, or I don't know why. I think it's called another book. <laughs> so well, when I retired, uh, about, oh, when it was 2016, I think, or even poor. I was kind of pooped out and tired, and I was really going kind of crazy with nothing to do, and I still felt okay, and I was going to write another book, because there were so many things I forgot in the first couple of books, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't have the energy, so I let it go. Well, you still may do it, so I will uh, I will encourage you to finish another Thank book. Thank you. My oldest son, David, keeps telling me if you don't do that, he says, why don't you do a podcast? And I said to him, well, the only thing is I don't like to be uh, have specific times that I have to do something because I've got uh, senior ailments uh, and I have poor sleeping habits. So some days are up and some days are down. So, uh, well, yeah, but with podcasts, you don't have to have a certain time and day. You can just do it. So, but uh, let me leave you with uh, maybe one more. Maybe one of these days I'll do it. So far, I haven't worked up to it. Okay. Last question. For... Enjoy. I do enjoy, like I'm talking now to you, getting calls from old friends uh, that are still alive or old clients or occasionally people that I networked with or or media people that are back east. New Jersey, New York, Florida, Kansas City. They call me maybe once every couple of months to see how I am. And when they do, we reminisce about the old days. It's not that we're saying things are bad now and those are the good old days, but we talk about some of the fun things that happened. And each one of them remind me of some incident that happened that affected us in one way or another. One of the things that happened in our business, one of our operations, you might say, was that we took advantage of opportunities, but we also faced emergencies, act of God, things that we couldn't control. And this this happened in life. There's always something unexpected come up that's good that we were able to jump on. There was something in the newspaper or something that we read in a magazine that might relate to our business. We jumped on it immediately, immediately. Somebody would come up and say, did you hear that on the TV the other day that one of the actors did something? 
and they happened to mention his wife loved food. I called him immediately and said, hey, have you heard your wife loves food? I'd like to work with you, things like that. But then on the emergencies, and we had several of them in our lifetime, we had uh, one of the biggest ones, one of the first emergencies in our life was when Kennedy was assassinated. I was working at that time, and I handled the turkey industry. And we had made arrangements. California at that time was the largest turkey-producing state. Later on, it became uh, Minnesota, Utah, some other states. But it was a habit that once a year, a, a state that was producing turkeys would send a turkey to the president to pardon and put in a zoo and stuff like that. And so this was California's turn. So I made arrangements as the PR person to send a very beautiful, large turkey by air freight to President Kennedy from the state of California. Well, we did this a week before Thanksgiving. And the idea was as soon as he got it, the National Turkey Federation in Washington would send a photographer and take a photo on the president holding a turkey and then take a photo of the representative from California and the secretary of agriculture, Secretary Brannon, and they, turkey people, didn't have enough money to send me. They, they, they kept me at home, but the chairman of the board went. He was a big turkey grower and very well known. So they took a picture. Well, a week later, the president was assassinated, which was a tremendous thing, as you know. At that time, I was doing publicity for Thanksgiving on all of the TV stations in L.A. I had a home economist appear, and in fact, that particular day that he was assassinated, I was at Channel 13 with my home economist. We were all set to do a TV show. We cooked up a turkey, and and we had uh, uh, all the trimmings, and of course, we had Mrs. Coverson's dressing, and uh, we were all set to go, and all of a sudden, all hell broke loose, and they said that the president had been shot. Boy, it was unbelievable in this TV station. Everybody was shocked, and we we for an hour, we didn't know what to do. And the people cried, and, and I didn't feel well. I sort of, my stomach went on the bum, and everything went to pieces. Of course, we canceled the show. We didn't eat the turkey. We actually threw it away later. And uh, at the, uh, during that period, all hell broke loose, and all of the publicity that I had done preparing uh, for the goodwill of uh, talk about turkeys went down the drain. You know, because it was Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. That was my first experience with uh, what you may see, an act of God, something that we couldn't control. Well, last question, Leo, and that is, who is the most interesting person you've ever met in your career on the professional side, whether it was a celebrity, a pioneer such as Mrs. Cubison, or someone else? Without a doubt, Steve Allen. Steve Allen, to me, I can't think of any adjective that can adequately describe him. He was so talented. He was a writer. He was a, mu a musician. He was an actor. He was a comedian. 
he was a an educated person. He was definitely very high IQ, and all of those things combined in his head and as a host on his show. I never in my life found anybody that had as much talent, as much character as he did. And it turned out that I worked with him uh, many, many times. I had Miss Prune, Miss Chive, Miss Turkey, Miss Peanut, Miss Asparagus, Miss Stuffing. I had all of the girls on that we had on his show that we made real gigs on. We gave stuff to the audience. We gave them prunes. We gave them pretzels. Uh, and it was a tremendous. And he was such a nice person. And he wrote the forward to my book. And he actually took my book that I had a copy of. And he read the whole thing. And he said to me, you got a bunch of grammar in there. you got to correct. And I said, yes, my son is working on it now. And uh, he said, do you want me to write the the intro, I said, I'd be thrilled to death, which he did. And he got, he was so busy, he put it on his desk and I had to wait. And I spoke to his secretary about every other week because he had to travel. But he finally wrote that terrific, terrific uh, opening for the book, which I was thrilled about. So yes, he was the most interesting person that I had met in my all of my activities with celebrities. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been publicity pioneer, food consultant, author, speaker, and the PR food king himself, Leo Perlstein, founder and president of Lee & Associates Incorporated, a public relations and advertising firm. Leo, thanks for being on the show. Oh, I'm thrilled to death. I loved every minute of it. And anytime you want to talk, I can come up with another hour of discussion. But it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Leo, and join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.